Hi there, this is Structured Rambling, a podcast about literature, ideas in literature, the texts, the themes, the virtues and beyond. My name is Paul, I'm a reader, a writer, a teacher, a fan, and a pig owner. Well hello gentle listener, this is Structured Rambling and my name is Paul Sonstaby. And if you are a frequent listener, I would like to point out that this is, well I'm just past last month my one year anniversary of this podcast uh it's been fun and i'm trying to keep up with publishing two of these podcasts a month later this month you're going to be hearing me talk about the dark knight detective batman himself and sort of his conceptual change of the past 30 years And as always, I would like you to send me any emails to structuredrambling at gmail.com. You can tell me what you think of the podcast. You can ask me questions. You can critique me if you like, although I'm I'm not claiming to do a good enough job to deserve too much critiquing. But go ahead. And you could even mention texts you'd like to see me talk about on the podcast, which could be fun. As well, I will I I will uh, cater to the request that you give me a rating and even a review on the iTunes and the Spotify and the or Apple Podcasts, I guess, and stuff. Say nice things about me, please, so the algorithms will push me out there. If you hate me, send that in the form of an email. But hate's too much. Anyways. Today, we're going to be doing something interesting. We're going to be talking about a film based on a book. But most of us encounter the film first these days. That's right, folks. I'm going to make you a podcast you can't refuse. I'm talking today... About The Godfather, the novel by Mario Puzo and the film series by Francis Ford Coppola. Many of the texts and films I speak about on here are popular already, some are not. I try to mix it up between the well known and the lesser known. And when I talk about a book, I at least mention the film versions of it if they're worth mentioning, which is why I didn't talk too much about the Hobbit films. But today I'm doing two things. I'm going to be talking about a pair, not a trilogy, a pair of fine films that it's just a giant cliche for a middle-aged man to like. Uh, It's just, these are are middle-aged man films. And I'm going to be talking about the book itself that they're based upon. Yes, the movie's first in prominence over the book. That's not like me at all, is it? Because it's one of those rarest of times where if the movie isn't better, it's at least better known. But there are choices made in the film that that I think put it on top. Now, we're talking about The Godfather. And not to mix up my Patrofamilias monikers, but it's the granddaddy of gangster movies. 
and one of the greatest movies ever made, according to most people in Hollywood. And the second one may even be better. And it's based on a book. And not a lot of people read the book anymore, I guess. I've read the book. I've just read the book, just recently for the first time. And it was pretty darn good. But I hadn't read it until I'd seen the movies, the the, the first two, the only two, probably four or so times. I have seen the third one once, and we will not be discussing that movie here. I rewatched one and two over Christmas, and, and it put in my head that it's odd that I've never read Puzo's book or any of his books. I guess there are several all relating to the Godfather series. They stretch off in all kinds of directions, I guess, though, like I said, I've only read the first one, and the first movie reflects it um, a lot. But the second film reflects, not reflects, but uh, uh, adapts parts of it too. Let me tell you, though, before I get to the book, let me tell you about my first time watching these films. I was in university and I got sick and my roommate owned a box set. I watched the first two films back to back and still to this day, there are scenes I get confused wondering which is in which film. But it also makes quite a bit of sense because you read the book, you see how much is spread across both films. The second film has two narratives. It's got Michael Corleone dealing with Cuba, with Hyman Roth, uh, his the issues in his marriage. And then there's flashbacks to his father Vito Corleone's uh, rise to power as Don in New York in the early 20th century. This flashback is entirely lifted from book three of the novel. There are eight books in the novel. And something starts to make sense if you put yourself into the shoes of someone who's read the book before they have seen the movies. See, when The Godfather swept the 1973 Academy Awards, there was a fair bit of controversy because Al Pacino boycotted uh, he boycotted the ceremony when he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor as opposed to Best Actor. Uh, in Best Supporting Actor, he shared the category with James Caan and Robert Duvall, who were both nominated for their roles in The Godfather as well. Three actors from one film. And none of them won. Marlon Brando was nominated, of course, for Best Actor as Don Vito Corleone, and infamously also boycotted it, sending uh, Sachin Littlefeather to collect his award and to... Uh, express his uh, contempt for the treatment of the indigenous in the United States. Well, so why do I point this out? Why am I talking about the Academy Awards? Because the novel is structured differently. The first Godfather film is about Michael's rise to power. Pacino has far more screen time than Brando. As captivating as uh, Marlon Brando's performance as the Dawn is, and even including the many extra Brando scenes released on TV, uh, which are all over YouTube. There's like a half hour of, of ed, uh, extra scenes that were not put in the film. In the book, though, Vito is obviously the star. In a subtle background way, he's in everything. And this isn't possible to show on film. 
the the movie timeline and narrative are built differently uh it's not totally linear um and and sorry the novel timeline is different it's not linear and the and the movie as true as it is to the book um doesn't doesn't do the the jumping around in time Coppola made some very good decisions with the narrative when turning the book into a film. It helps a lot that he wrote the screenplay with Puzo himself. Essentially, it's it's true to the main narrative of the, of the novel with very few changes. In fact, if you read the book after seeing the movie, what you get is the development of minor characters and further explanation of relationships. The main points are still there and masterfully translated. The book gets more into characters like Pete Clemenza, Luca Brasi, um, Carlo Rizzo, uh, the background of Captain McCluskey. Um, the the deal with the producer, the movie producer with the horse head uh, in his bed. Um, Polly, who di- dies for giving up uh, the dawn to assassins. Um, uh, Nazaroni, the baker. Uh, Barosini, the Undertaker, um, and uh, this this character uh, Nino, who's another singer that shows up, um, and and of course Johnny Fontaine. So, like all of the penitents who show up at the beginning of the film to ask the Don for help, uh, are fleshed out. None of this would necessarily do well on screen, so it makes sense to cut it. But the biggest surprise, one of the biggest surprises for me, is how important Johnny Fontaine, the singer, is in the novel. He's got a whole sub-narrative with a couple extra characters. Uh, Lucy, the the bridesmaid that Sonny is having an affair with uh, at the beginning of the movie, who we see twice in the movie, and I don't know if she says more than three lines. She's got a whole side narrative, and the doctor she ends up falling in love with, who helps Johnny Fontaine with his voice... That, that there's this whole subplot there that I think they were right to leave out of the movie. Um, but the, the Johnny Fontaine thing, I guess sending up Frank Sinatra's mafia ties had a lot of bite in 1969 that by the time they were making the movie, maybe didn't seem to be as edgy as they thought. Um, a few other things that the book doesn't do one thing that's weird to me is almost no children are named um tom Hagen's wife and their kids sonny's kids and then most importantly michael who who even in the novels at least the second most important character has two kids with Kay. once he's come back from sicily um they aren't named they're just referred to as the boys uh, you know, and that's a change from the film because he has a, a son and a daughter. Um, it's, it's odd. One thing I do like better in the book is how much prominence and development Kay's character gets, uh, and especially in the denouement, uh, there's a conversion to Catholicism, a connection she makes with Mama Cor- Corleone, who is also fleshed out a little bit more. Not a lot. It's not like we get the depths of her character like we do with Kay. But Kay's narrative, I don't want to say it's not done justice by the film. But it might be one of the reasons this is such a dude's movie. Because Kay is um, one of the main narrative voices in the third person point of view of the novel. 
and I think that that's almost entirely abandoned. It it, um, it does create an issue with where they go in the second film because there's more of a resolution to Kay's understanding of Michael. And so I, the end result is better in the films, but it's a missed opportunity. Um, one of the biggest differences... And and I'm sorry if there's been it's the Godfather. I'm assuming you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, I don't know why you're listening to this, but I I'm assuming you know everything that happens. But uh, a really big change in the film that it makes it a superior moment is when Michael uh, is made Connie and Carlo's son's Godfather. Um, we see him in the baptism at a church. And while this is happening, all of his enemies, Barzini, uh, uh, Tataglia, and so on, are being murdered. Tessio is then taken care of, and eventually Carlo. And intentionally, what Coppola has created is Michael is being baptized as Don, as Godfather, while becoming a literal Catholic Godfather to his nephew. And that's not the way it works in the book. It's still pretty punchy in the book how these guys are each rubbed out, and and you don't see it coming any great with any greater um, foreshadowing than you do in the film. Uh, but Michael and Tessio speak at his father's funeral, and the Don had we see the Don warn him that whoever talks to you at my funeral who, about making peace is the traitor. So Michael's kind of upswing is even stronger in the film which because the film the way it's structured makes it Michael's story that that works for me um I like that and and as I said the book the book it's it's Don Vito's story I find I'm only so interested in the mafia uh and its ability to influence Hollywood which is mostly cut out, which is good. The the horse's head uh, makes the biggest statement, and the movie is right to basically drop Johnny Fontaine's story after this. Yes, Vito is Johnny's actual godfather, as Michael was his nephew's, or would, would become, and leaving him out of the latter part of the film when he's in the book so much it kind of eliminates the the double meaning of Godfather, but it's the right decision. The movie is Michael's rise to power. The novel doesn't have that much more of the dawn, but every chapter is dominated by his influence. The symbol of the novel and film is the hand pulling the strings of a marionette. Um, it's totally appropriate. Uh, it's far clearer in the novel that this is happening, but it's the symbol both in the novel and the film, and it's it's appropriate. Other than the backstory I've mentioned, um, all else the novel does character-wise is make Fredo a little less simple, and uh, there's a lot more sex, um, way more sex, and and overly descriptive sex, which eh, gets boring, gets boring. But uh, the the whole Lucy, uh, the bridesmaid of Connie, her whole subtext is is a hundred percent about sexual relations uh, including surgeries and things um 
As for the second film, which for many is better than the first, and for me is easily as good, uh, I love them both the same, um, things get interesting. My, my favorite parts of the second movie are the, the Vito flashback scenes, um, Vito's rise to power. Um, the, like I said, this follows book three of the novel fairly honestly, except it's a little bit more raw in the film, a little bit more tense, and Coppola uh, is careful to show the culture of nineteen early 1900s in Little Italy. He's got a bigger budget, so he can, he can show off some of that stuff. Um, the other narrative of the second film is Michael's consolidation of his Vegas influence, the loss of Cuba, the the freight, the, the fate of Fredo. Uh, who they call Freddy in the book? He's almost never. I don't think he's ever called Fredo. Anyways, the there's also the enmity with Hyman Roth and the failure of Michael and Kay's marriage. Some of this is foreshadowed in the novel, but most is fresh. I will say. I'm more interested than I expected to be to read some of the following books in the series, which don't really line up with any points in the film based on what I've what I've read online. The novel doesn't have a, a linear timeline, um, and they fix that in the movies, uh, which is a good idea. For example, we know well, mostly okay. The second movie, yes, of course, with flashbacks is non-linear. For example, though. We know Don Vito is going to survive the assassination attempt. This is in the book. We know he's going to survive the assassination attempt before Michael even knows his father has been shot. We see Sonny's body in The Undertaker's before we see him gunned down in, in that Bonnie and Clyde homage bullet-riddled scene. This isn't very dramatic. And so in the movie, wisely, it puts things in the right order. So Sonny's gunned down, then his dad takes him to The Undertaker. Um, uh, Michael sees a newspaper saying his father's been shot, but it does he doesn't know if he's alive or dead. That, and this is after the scene where it shows his father killed. Anyways, verdict. The Godfather films, and I mean one and two, are very good. The gangster film has become as cliche as the American Western. So it's interesting to view these two movies as the exceptional masterpieces they were at the time. The novel that is the source material, though different, was much more of a satisfying read than I was expecting, especially after having seen the movies multiple times. You can see why it was such a big deal in the 70s when it first came out. I loved the Godfather novel. I, I just love the feel of it. It, it. The copy I have is a 1999 reprint. And it's like, my wife says I'm a book snob because all books you buy, just trash books like Nora Roberts and that kind of thing are this shape. But you don't get books this size anymore. The, the I don't know what it is, six by four, three. I don't know what the dimensions are. I could measure it. It's sitting right here. But I'm not going to uh, because I don't care. But it just the feel of the book made me all nostalgic. But there you have it. Uh, a fine, fine, fine read. And so, as I go off into the sunset, with a little help from Slash, I want to remind you that they make 
good movies on good books, and sometimes both are excellent and redeeming the approach to them on their own. This has been Structured Rambling, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have yourself a great day.